Today, on Give a Fuck. Yes, our collective digital carbon footprint is quickly spiraling out of control. But there are small steps that we each can take in our online habits to decrease our personal digital carbon footprints. Cosa is a global search engine, basically just like Google, but we plant trees. <laughs> more and more, those of us in advertising are using digital tools to create campaigns, increasingly digital themselves. So agencies should definitely give a fuck about our digital carbon footprints and try to minimize them. Hello. Welcome to Give a Fuck, a podcast exploring what matters in culture, media, advertising, and whatever else we feel like discussing. Digital technology use now accounts for more carbon dioxide emissions than the entire aviation industry, and thus has a bigger impact on climate change. Say what? How dare you? Hi, I'm Sarah Roach, and welcome to Give a Fuck. Today's episode is called, What the Fuck is a Digital Carbon Footprint? Every Google search, every Spotify stream, every email sent to grandma, every silly WhatsApp gif, they all contribute to increased electricity usage, more electronic waste, and rising carbon dioxide emissions, all of which adds to the climate crisis. In this episode, we'll dive deeper into why we should give a fuck about humanity's digital carbon footprint and what we can do to decrease our own. Give a fuck. Everything done on the internet, whether it's on a smartphone, tablet, or computer, needs electricity, in part because it requires millions of physical servers and data centers around the world, which take a lot of energy to run. And most often that energy is generated by sources that emit carbon dioxide into the air which, of course, contributes to global warming. So every time we go online, we're adding a small amount of CO2 into the environment. All added up, humanity's digital usage is creating a concerningly large carbon footprint. The internet, along with the devices and systems that make it possible for us to access it, account for about 3.7% of greenhouse gas emissions worldwide, similar to what is emitted by the entire global airline industry. Digital information data center storage now accounts for 2% of all global electricity consumption, and that could increase to 8% by 2030. An online search takes just a few nanoseconds of computational time and nanowatts of electricity, but with an average of 3.5 billion Google searches a day, that adds up. And as more and more people around the world acquire online access, the use of digital devices grows exponentially. But the worst is video streaming. Currently, it's estimated that about 60% of the internet's carbon emissions stem from video streaming. 
When you're streaming, say, Netflix, you're downloading between one and seven gigabytes of data every hour. And before it reaches your screen... Ew, David. I saw all that data is stored in centers and moved around the globe through routers, servers, cables, and on and on. And each step costs energy. All the Netflix users combined give off as much CO2 in one second as driving a car 3.8 times around the world. Let that sink in. Nuts, right? Netflix alone produces 15% of all internet traffic. And to top it all off, the resulting emissions are expected to double in the next four to five years. Seriously? Yes, our collective digital carbon footprint is quickly spiraling out of control. But there are small steps that we each can take in our online habits to decrease our personal digital carbon footprints. Here's a dozen of them. Number one, firstly and obviously, try to digital detox. If we're less addicted to the internet, it's not just better for ourselves, but for the planet as well. Two, reduce the quality of your video streaming. Most streaming services allow you to choose a lower playback quality, which uses less energy. Three, watch on a smaller screen. A smaller screen like a smartphone will reduce the network load. Four, when you're in online meetings, like via Zoom or Teams, turn off your video. On Zoom, data usage will drop by at least 30%. Five, download songs that you listen to regularly. That's better for the environment than streaming them every time. Six, don't use YouTube for music. It adds unnecessary video. If music or a lecture or something like that is only available on YouTube, you can use a plugin like YouTube Audio, which allows only the sound in the video to stream. Seven, go big with a household energy switch to low carbon energy sources, like getting your electricity at least partly from renewable resources. This is obviously not feasible in many parts of the world, but in some places you can choose to use an eco-friendly energy company that works with standard energy suppliers to offset fossil fuel consumption. Eight, as an advertising professional, I hate to say it, but install an ad blocker on your internet browser. A lot of online ads have flash animation, videos, etc. So they're data heavy. Ad blockers will stop these ads from loading, thus wasting fewer resources. Nine, clean up your cloud. Delete useless files and save important stuff on external hard drives or USB sticks. Ugh, I really need to start doing this. 10. Something else I find impossible to do. Clean out your email. If you cut down on junk mail by unsubscribing and regularly delete old messages from your inbox, it will help cut down on computing power and energy. 11. Think before you search. How many useless searches are entered into that ubiquitous search bar every day? So, only search if you need to, and make your query as precise as possible to avoid multiple searches. And when you know the URL, type in the whole thing instead of making it a search to skip a data-using step. 12. Finally, there are a couple of search engine alternatives to the big G. And while they may not lower your digital carbon footprint, they could help offset it. Next, we'll dive into a couple of them. Give a fuck. Now we'll dive a bit deeper into two alternative German-based global search engines. Gexi is a purpose-driven search engine using ad revenue to support social projects like educational and environmental initiatives around the world. The name Gexi stands for Global Exchange for Social Investment, and the company is a certified B Corp, a business that meets the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency, 
and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. And it's also part of the Good Impact Foundation in Potsdam, a nonprofit umbrella organization. Gexia is based in two locations, Berlin and Freiburg. To test the experience of using Gexi, GiveAfuck's own Jake Bertanis used it as an alternative for Google and relayed his findings. Here is Jake's take. Uh, well, did you switch and use it kind of as a separate browser or did you ins install it as your home screen? How did that work? Yeah, I installed it as my home screen to have it as sort of my major default search engine for a month. And initially I was quite excited because I was like, wow, like, you know, this is a revolution. We don't have to use Google anymore. I'm not sharing my data. Let's, you know, like clean slate, right? Like, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> but soon I realized that it's not good. <laughs> and I started to miss Google and I started to miss the algorithm. Mm -hmm. because, because they don't, so they don't, they don't personalize to you. Right? I mean, maybe if they don't, and they don't, I don't think they even learn from one search to another. And I think by default, they think I'm in America, I'm in the States, or maybe that I'm like searching always the whole world. So even if I was searching for something really simple, like let's say flower shop, I, even without thinking, I would just cons like, I would expect that if I write flower shop into Google, I'll, I'll see the closest flower shops in my area, but it would show me, I don't know, like the best flower shop of the world, you know, and it's yeah, completely yeah. useless for me. Yeah, no, that's the same um, the same experience I had with Ecosia um, because they don't know where you are and they don't track you at all. So it's much yeah. better privacy, but you have to do more uh, detailed search queries. Exactly. But yeah. I think we are just used to Google knowing our location, our geography and knowing us already pretty mm -hmm. well. But I, th I think once I was looking for some pizza delivery, so I just wrote pizza. And normally a lot of pizza places would pop up, but now I just went to like a Wikipedia page of like pizza is an Italian dish introduced <laughs> in 15th century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's part of the, the balance issue, too, because we're talking about this in relation to our digital carbon footprint. Yeah. So I think we're all so used to Google and the, those of a lot of us, I mean, especially those in advertising, don't really mind a lot of the tracking and we want things to be personalized. Um, but as that trend kind of goes away and we're learning just how much these companies know about us and that we want more privacy, then hopefully people will kind of make the switch to these more privacy friendly and eco friendly ways to search the web. I mean, yeah, I can imagine that if I really want to do an unbiased, objective research, I would probably use it. And then that's when it's really handy. Mm -hmm. But I think, I don't know, I don't know if they will ever make enough money because because they are so transparent. You can go and see, as I said, uh, the donations. And to be fair, overall, I think Gexi donated about $15,000 in all of their existence. Oh, wow. So very little people use it. Unless somebody clicks on the ad that's there, they won't get any money. And I guess very little people are using it. Hence, very little people are clicking on the ads. So, you know, they are not earning. Right. Yeah, so how much are they really doing? Especially when you have competing uh, good for the world search engines, then they're, you know, they're kind of cannibalizing each other. Yeah, but maybe they just need to, I don't know, reinvent it a little bit. I mean, if they if they had their own email agent, like they would be quite cool, you know, like a carbon neutral email, because mm -hmm. we know that emailing back and forth all the time always costs us energy and always costs this world some kind of CO2. Uh, you know, they can then pair it with the search engine, sort of create like 
Google 2.0, but mm-hmm. eco-friendly. Or maybe they should sell themselves to Google. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just absorb them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you for your take on Gexi. Thank you. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Find out more about Gexi at gexi.com. That's G-E-X-S-I dot com. Give a fuck. And now for Ecosia, an alternative search engine with an ecological business model. It was started in 2009, and in April 2014 actually became the first German company to be certified as a B Corp. Every search on Ecosia removes one kilogram of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere by planting trees and offsetting energy use with renewables. Ecosia Ecosia is a global search engine, basically just like Google, but we plant trees. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. To learn more about Ecosia, I spoke with Jenica Schiefkin, head of Ecosia Germany. I guess I'll go into a little bit of actually using um, Ecosia. Uh, I know it's powered, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's powered by the same technology as Microsoft Bing. And that obviously will yield some differences between Google. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, just being that Google is, you know, kind of the main search engine that's, it's the go-to. So um, how does Ecosia differ? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. So our search results and also the ads are powered by um, Microsoft Bing. So the algorithm behind our searches are different from Google, but this is not the only difference. Actually, we're not, we're, we're privacy friendly, which means that we are not creating user profiles, which is a big difference to Google. Um, and this means that everyone gets the same results. They, they're basically neutral. Whereas on Google, you would have really like um, personalized, personalized search results. And this can make a huge difference um, in the overall search results and the experience. And then um, another thing that I noticed is, um, and maybe this, you can tell me why, but maybe it's because I guess there's not just not quite as many users on Ecosia yet. <laughs> we'll try to change that. But when you look up something, say um, a conversion rate or a definition of a word, it doesn't quite, it doesn't bring up that kind of top search where it's just, all you need to do is type in, you know, one euro to one dollar and in Google and it it's just up in a second and you don't have to click on anything else. It's kind of its own little results that shows up right in the home page. But I noticed that Ecosia doesn't have that function. Yeah. Well, the, those are called widgets or features, and we mm-hmm. have some of them, like a weather widget, for instance. So if you're looking up the weather in Berlin, for instance, you would have a weather widget showing you the weather, just like on Google. But actually, it's um, it, of course, it's a lot of work and technology behind building these features and widgets. It's mm-hmm. not easily easy to outsource them, like maybe with the algorithm, for instance. And so we are a tech company of now, like, 80 people-ish um, and they are working really hard to you know make the search experience really really good but compared to Google where there are I don't know maybe even thousands of developers working mm-hmm. all around the world to provide the best widgets we can't really compete here but we're trying to um, address a different audience one that is more focused on ecological values mm-hmm. so what we're for instance offering right now is that 
URLs or websites that are owned by companies that are really like um, helping the environment or are based on um, positive social values, they are highlighted with a green leaf. Whereas companies that are really um, making money off harming the, the climate and the environment, they are marked with a little uh, bad evil coal icon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so we are building on, on, on building things like these that are different from Google Head from what Google has to offer just because the audience is so different. And you do um, a lot of marketing and promotions to, to get that audience and to show them the and kind of promote the, these different features? Yeah, so we have increased our marketing spend in the past couple of years. Um, in the beginning, we were really, I mean, we're still today, we are very much focused on keeping our infrastructure and our um, financials really lean in order to be able to plant as many trees as possible. So if you look at our financial reports we are publishing every month, you can see that it's almost like I think 50% of our revenue that is going away in a way <laughs> to planting trees. Um, which is, I guess, a big difference to other companies. Um, so we are uh, economically also quite sustainable. Um, but over the time, we have learned that while we were growing in the beginning, pretty much based just on yeah. word of mouth communication. Exactly. So people were just telling their family and friends about Ecosia because they got so excited about what we do and how to contribute to our planting projects. Um, but of course, at some point you just reach a plateau and then you might want to reach other audiences as well outside of these bu this bubble. And that's where when we decided to invest a little bit more in our marketing in order to be able to plant more trees long term by reaching more audiences. Um, so I've read recently that Ecosia has started its own solar powered plant in Germany. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So right we are a tech company which means we have we use server capacity all around the world in order to provide people globally with search results um, we can't always decide that we only want to run with um, renewable powered service just because there are not that many offered um, but what we can do is to compensate by building our own solar panels or producing our own renewable energy. And that's what we do. So we decided, I think it was, uh, don't quote me on that, I think it was 2016 maybe, um, or even earlier, maybe 2014, that we wanted um, to power our searches as good as possible with renewable energy. So we started building our own solar panels. And when we were able to um, produce 100% of the um, the energy that we already required in order to power our searches. We were wondering, well, why stop here? You know, who said that 100% meaning like basically climate neutra neutrality is enough? It's only enough if every company on that planet, on this planet is going for climate neutrality, neutrality and um, they are not. So we are going for more and right now we are at I think 200% we are producing wow. double the amount and we are going for 300% still this year I believe and we our position is really that we want to change um, systems in order to 
um, save the planet from really bad damage and humanity. So this is why we are really focusing on building those um, solar panels in Germany, support other companies who want to do the same with the knowledge we gathered and um, really push this whole thing forward. Yeah. That was great. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to explain everything to us. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and for approaching us. Give a fuck. Follow Give a Fucker, Sophie, and I both used Ecosia instead of Google for a week. Here's what we thought. Sophie loved the good feeling of doing the right thing planting trees while she searched. She didn't notice any real differences in the search results compared to Google, but she did find the lack of localization annoying, noting, if I Google Chinese food, it shows me restaurants around the corner of where I am. Ecosia doesn't do that. In addition, Ecosia doesn't have a map function, so you'll not automatically get mappable locations when searching. Sophie also said that for her, breaking the old habit of Googling something was annoying at first, mostly because Google is the default search engine for Safari. One outstanding feature that she noticed on Ecosia was that you can click on the resolution drop-down list on the videos tab to filter for video results of different quality. This is possible on Google as well, but the process is actually simpler and more refined on Ecosia. As for my experience as a mainly English speaker living in Germany, I found it difficult that, unlike Google, Ecosia doesn't provide English-only results. So every time I search, I then have to translate the page, which probably defeats the purpose of switching to Ecosia in order to lower my digital carbon footprint. Also, there's no shopping search function in Ecosia, but maybe they're working on that. A version where greener retailers appear first would be nice. So try it out for yourself at Ecosia.org. That's E-O-C-S-I-A.org. And let us know what you think at giveafuck.net. I used to feel bad about all the paper and cardboard we wasted doing analog pitch presentations with those huge, thick blackboards filled with heavyweight paper full of glossy images. Knowing the trail of trees we left behind crumpled up in the printer room. Turns out there's no solace in going digital. More and more, those of us in advertising are using digital tools to create campaigns, increasingly digital themselves. So, agencies should definitely give a fuck about our digital carbon footprints and try to minimize them. But how? To come up with some ideas, our Give a Fuck family had a little brainstorm. And now, a brainstorm. Welcome, everyone. Um, let's let's begin by just introducing who's here uh, so our audience can get a little feel of who's taking part in this brainstorm um, and then if we have others join then they can just kind of join silently all right i'll start juan leguizamon uh executive creative director ahapas and co-host of the give a fuck podcast hi i'm graciela i am an art director here at havas Hello, I'm Daniel Azar. I'm an art director at Havas. Hello, I'm Marteva Balan, and I'm a strategic planner at Havas. Hey, I'm Hendrik. I'm working as a junior art director at Havas. Great. So yeah, so we've got um, creative and planning here. 
coming together to figure out how we can lower our carbon or digital carbon footprint within the agency. So um, I guess I'll just kind of open it up. All right. So uh, maybe maybe I could start if uh, that's great. okay. I had some ideas about this subject and I was doing some research about um, how our screens work. So in terms of our laptops, um, our phones, and what we notice is that the, the color white is taking 100% of the power that is provided by the computer to be able to display. And what we can do is if we reduce the amount of light for that white background, then we start talking about percentages of gray. And as we progress into the percentages, as we lower the percentage, we're gonna have darker and darker gray values. And that in turn reduces the power that our screens are taking, be it phone, be it um, computers, etc. I think that's the issue or that's the, 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 the complexity. It's the same with electric vehicles. Do, where do you invest more and which is more long living, but coming to the point that Daniel says, basically, this is a really, really interesting topic of CO2 friendly design in terms of web design, in terms of emails, yeah. in terms of who do you see, what do you add on stuff? Where do you put anyway files in there? What can you write easily? Um, and I think coming from coming back to what you said, especially like this mindset of designing CO2 friendly web apps or technology technologic solutions like medias etc this also extends to like normal things we do like print like uh, uh whatever like basically every asset we create as an ad agency uh takes energy to be seen and to be produced and having like the sensibility to knowing like yeah if you don't if, if screens don't need to put out so much white but rather black this also translates into web design for example it's interesting what Daniel was saying, and, and like you were just saying, Mark, isn't, I mean, even Google has like a dark mode and um, I think kind of every program, a lot of the programs do have these dark modes. So, I mean, maybe I think agencies, some agencies do it where, you know, kind of the, the default when you log in is more of kind of the dark Google browser, or I think you can even make Outlook into the dark mode. So maybe that's an idea that um, we can implement even when when new people start that it they kind of start with this dark mode because I think switching it when I've tried to to go into dark mode in some of the programs it's just such a mind switch that it, it makes everything harder to do for a while so I think that's why a lot of people don't do it but if we had people you know new people started the agency where kind of their whole um, interface and browsers look different then they get used to that um then that's a whole lot of of energy that we can kind of save just in, by doing that i might add to that um now luckily i think um there there is also a trend um like sarah already mentioned there's a there's a trend where apple um google uh, microsoft all these big um brands are are heading towards these dark themes and and um and some, sometimes uh, they don't even ask the users um, for the switch. You know, they say that this version is gonna um, is this is the start of the black themed, um, let's say Microsoft Outlook or etc. Um, before we move on, can I ask everyone to turn off their video? 
because as we know, one of the tips is we use a lot less video, a lot less energy on Zoom, especially without the video. That's great. Um, and then I think that brings us kind of to another point, which um, is part of our agency um, process now is that when we join team meetings, we usually all get on video to say hello to each other, um, just to keep kind of that community atmosphere. But then I think a lot of us do turn the video off, um, partly to save energy, partly because it, we all know it makes it a lot smoother connection-wise and Wi-Fi. Um, but I think we will have to implement that as kind of the standard procedure. No, but what you said is interesting. It's like, uh, we can just uh, show that we're there and then we can turn it off after and just, uh, you know, uh, just turn it into just like an audio call instead of a video call. Um, I would like I would like to add something that um, we kind of um, already uh, do that sometimes uh, in our standup. Uh, when, when everybody doesn't need to put their cameras on, um, but only the person who is actually presenting or talking. So it, an easy rule would be if, if you're talking, then maybe it's better to show your face because your expressions maybe help kind of um, support what you're saying, etc. because you actually need it and people are, are listening to you. So maybe that's a good idea um, to, to have that when somewhat somebody's talking or presenting. And then as soon as um, he, he passes it over to someone else, then he automatically turns off the camera and, and the other person who's presenting uh, might need to um, turn on the camera. Okay. Anyone have anything else? But if there's anything else, please speak up. Yeah, I was just thinking earlier, so I was thinking maybe when it comes to brainstorming sessions, we could really emphasize on a habit that um, that let where, where we just about to get away from everything of from maybe research a little less and look into yourself a little bit more um, so making making our brainstorm sessions just analog exactly exactly because i i also noticed like sometimes we sure. sit together with an hour no no one brings their laptop no one brings their phone exactly exactly i mean i know classic brainstorming sessions work like that but in the day-to-day -day of uh, daily business this sometimes gets mm -hmm. lost a little bit so yeah. um, maybe that's just something we can try to um work on um like for personal benefits but also for climate change benefits i like that yeah i think that's I like a good idea i like the idea like what if we actually start doing like a, a, a digital detox uh program here just is i mean just make it feel more like a, a retreat instead yeah. of something that forces you to do that i mean it'll be great if we can actually go to the outdoors go camping <laughs> or or brainstorming <laughs> it's on shrooms or <laughs> uh, whatever well thank you all for taking part this has been really really helpful and productive and hopefully we'll see some meaningful change come out of this thank you very much Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. Give a fuck. And that's our episode. I want to thank our guest, Janica Schiefkin from Ocosia. Please leave your comments and feedback at giveafuck.net. Until next time, keep giving a fuck. Thank you.
Give a fuck. Music courtesy of EpidemicSound.com.
Digital technology use now accounts for more carbon dioxide emissions than the entire aviation industry, and thus has a bigger impact on climate change. Hi, I'm Sarah Roach, and welcome to Give a Fuck. Today's episode is called, What the Fuck is a Digital Carbon Footprint? Every Google search, every Spotify stream, every email sent to grandma, every silly WhatsApp gif, they all contribute to increased electricity usage, more electronic waste, and rising carbon dioxide emissions, all of which adds to the climate crisis. In this episode, we'll dive deeper into why we should give a fuck about humanity's digital carbon footprint and what we can do to decrease our own. Everything done on the internet, whether it's on a smartphone, tablet, or computer, needs electricity in part because it requires millions of physical servers and data centers around the world, which take a lot of energy to run. And most often that energy is generated by sources that emit carbon dioxide into the air, which of course contributes to global warming. So every time we go online, we're adding a small amount of CO2 into the environment. All added up, humanity's digital usage is creating a concerningly large carbon footprint. The internet, along with the devices and systems that make it possible for us to access it, account for about 3.7% of greenhouse gas emissions worldwide, similar to what is emitted by the entire global airline industry. Digital information data center storage now accounts for 2% of all global electricity consumption, and that could increase to 8% by 2030. An online search takes just a few nanoseconds of computational time and nanowatts of electricity, but with an average of 3.5 billion Google searches a day, that adds up. And as more and more people around the world acquire online access, the use of digital devices grows exponentially. But the worst is video streaming. Currently, it's estimated that about 60% of the internet's carbon emissions stem from video streaming. When you're streaming, say, Netflix, you're downloading between one and seven gigabytes of data every hour. And before it reaches your screen, Yes, our collective All digital that data is stored in centers quickly and moved around the globe through routers, servers, cables, small and steps that we each can take and in each our online energy to decrease our personal All the digital Netflix carbon users combined give off as much CO2 in one second as driving a car 3.8 times around the world. Let that sink in. Nuts, right? Netflix alone produces 15% of all internet traffic. And to top it all off, the resulting emissions are expected to double in the next four to five years. Yes, our collective digital carbon footprint is quickly spiraling out of control. But there are small steps that we each can take in our online habits to decrease our personal digital carbon footprints. Here's a dozen of them. Number one, firstly, and obviously, try to digital detox. If we're less addicted to the internet, it's not just better for ourselves, but for the planet as well. Two, reduce the quality of your video streaming. Most streaming services allow you to choose a lower playback quality which uses less energy. Three, watch on a smaller screen. A smaller screen like a smartphone will reduce the network load. Four, when you're in online meetings, like via Zoom or Teams, turn off your video. On Zoom, data usage will drop by at least 30%. Five, download songs that you listen to regularly. That's better for the environment than streaming them every time. Six, don't use YouTube for music. It adds unnecessary video. If music or a lecture or something like that is only available on YouTube, you can use a plugin like YouTube Audio, which allows only the sound in the video to stream. Seven, go big with a household energy switch to low carbon energy sources, 
like getting your electricity at least partly from renewable resources. This is obviously not feasible in many parts of the world, but in some places you can choose to use an eco-friendly energy company that works with standard energy suppliers to offset fossil fuel consumption. Eight, as an advertising professional, I hate to say it, but install an ad blocker on your internet browser. A lot of online ads have flash animation, videos, etc. So they're data heavy. Ad blockers will stop these ads from loading, thus wasting fewer resources. Nine, clean up your cloud. Delete useless files and save important stuff on external hard drives or USB sticks. Ugh, I really need to start doing this. 10. Something else I find impossible to do. Clean out your email. If you cut down on junk mail by unsubscribing and regularly delete old messages from your inbox, it will help cut down on computing power and energy. 11. Think before you search. How many useless searches are entered into that ubiquitous search bar every day? So, only search if you need to, and make your query as precise as possible to avoid multiple searches. And when you know the URL, type in the whole thing instead of making it a search to skip a data-using step. 12. Finally, there are a couple of search engine alternatives to the big G. And while they may not lower your digital carbon footprint, they could help offset it. Next, we'll dive into a couple of them. Now we'll dive a bit deeper into two alternative German-based global search engines. Gexi is a purpose-driven search engine using ad revenue to support social projects like educational and environmental initiatives around the world. The name Gexi stands for Global Exchange for Social Investment, and the company is a certified B Corp, a business that meets the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency, and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. And it's also part of the Good Impact Foundation in Potsdam, a nonprofit umbrella organization. Gexi is based in two locations, Berlin and Freiburg. To test the experience of using Gexi, GiveAfuck's own Jake Bertanis used it as an alternative for Google and relayed his findings. Here is Jake's take. Find out more about Gexi at gexi.com. That's G-E-X-S-I.com. And now for Ecosia, an alternative search engine with an ecological business model. It was started in 2009, and in April 2014 actually became the first German company to be certified as a B Corp. Every search on Ecosia removes one kilogram of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere by planting trees and offsetting energy use with renewables. To learn more about Ecosia, I spoke with Jenica Schiefken, head of Ecosia Germany. Follow Give a Fucker, Sophie, and I both used Ecosia instead of Google for a week. Here's what we thought. Sophie loved the good feeling of doing the right thing, planting trees while she searched. She didn't notice any real differences in the search results compared to Google, but she did find the lack of localization annoying, noting, if I Google Chinese food, it shows me restaurants around the corner of where I am. Ecosia doesn't do that. In addition, Ecosia doesn't have a map function, so you'll not automatically get mappable locations when searching. Sophie also said that for her, breaking the old habit of Googling something was annoying at first, mostly because Google is the default search engine for Safari. One outstanding feature that she noticed on Ecosia was that you can click on the resolution drop-down list on the videos tab to filter for video results of different quality. This is possible on Google as well, but the process is actually simpler and more refined on Ecosia. As for my experience as a mainly English speaker living in Germany, I found it difficult that, unlike Google, Ecosia doesn't provide English-only results, 
So every time I search, I then have to translate the page, which probably defeats the purpose of switching to Ecosia in order to lower my digital carbon footprint. Also, there's no shopping search function in Ecosia, but maybe they're working on that. A version where greener retailers appear first would be nice. So try it out for yourself at ecosia.org. That's E-O-C-S-I-A.org. And let us know what you think at giveafuck.net. I used to feel bad about all the paper and cardboard we wasted doing analog pitch presentations with those huge, thick blackboards filled with heavyweight paper full of glossy images, knowing the trail of trees we left behind crumpled up in the printer room. Turns out there's no solace in going digital. More and more, those of us in advertising are using digital tools to create campaigns, increasingly digital themselves. So agencies should definitely give a fuck about our digital carbon footprints and try to minimize them. But how? To come up with some ideas, our Give a Fuck family had a little brainstorm. And that's our episode. I want to thank our guest, Janica Schiefkin from Ocosia. Please leave your comments and feedback at giveafuck.net. Until next time, keep giving a fuck.